Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Largum, a podcast about finding a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living. Taking inspiration from the Swedish concept of Largum, a moderate choice between extremes. The podcast explores how this philosophy can be applied to all aspects of your life, to improve your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and before getting into today's interview, I just wanted to do a quick shout out to at education underscore earth, who said, I was just coming to say I listened to episode five of your podcast as I'm trying to actually get better at practicing wellness myself and I loved it. And your voice is actually so soothing. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to hear from you. And yeah, I hope that you will continue to listen and enjoy the podcast episodes. So today I'm talking with Alicia from Zero Waste Department, New Zealand. And Alicia is a 30 year old from Auckland, New Zealand. She lives in the central city in an apartment with her partner and their cat slippers. She's passionate about sustainability and started her zero waste journey a couple of years ago. She created a zero waste apartment page, which is at zero waste underscore apartment underscore NZ to inspire and educate people about green living. During this conversation, we talk about Alicia's zero waste journey, the challenges she faced, veganism, supporting well-being and not being too hard on ourselves, as well as so much more. It was such a lovely conversation and a really enjoyable chat, so I maybe didn't structure it so well and went off on a few tangents, but I hope you find it enjoyable and useful all the same. So just one last thing before sharing the interview, I just want to say a quick apology for the quality of the audio in this interview. It's not the best and this was kind of due to things like Wi-Fi connection. I'm not a professional at this, so yeah, I do apologise, but I hope that you can still enjoy the content as it was so wonderful speaking with Alicia. Hi Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No worries. (laughs) First of all, if you just want to say a little bit about who you are and yeah, how you started your zero waste journey, I'd love to hear more about it. So I'm Alicia. I live in Auckland, New Zealand. At the moment, I'm living in an apartment with my partner and our cat, Slippers. <laughs> but I've been on my zero waste journey for about two years now. So it all sort of started when Bea Johnson, she's the person who started the zero waste movement, um, when she came over to Auckland about two years ago to give a talk. Um, it just really resonated with me. Like she talked about how there's the five r's of zero waste and how she was able to reduce her family's rubbish to basically a jar every five years wow so the first r is refuse so that means that you refuse the waste coming into your home and yeah you're trying to stop the waste coming into your house in the first place the second r is reduce so that's reducing the amount of goods that you buy And it's also about simplifying your life, so not having as many things that you might not need. So you kind of decluttering in a way. When I started, I used to work at a fast fashion shoe shop, and I've owned about 50 pairs of shoes. 
Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. I was quite consumeristic before I sort of started this journey. And I also hated throwing things out, but like I didn't stop the waste coming in, in the first place. So what happened was I just had all this crap that I never threw out. <laughs> and I wouldn't buy good quality goods. I needed to sort of stop, stop that cycle. So my thought pattern used to be um, the cheaper the better and sort of quantity over quality, but now that's changed a lot. I try to buy more quality things or only secondhand. I think about if the item can be repaired to extend its life. Um, if it can't be repaired, could it be recycled at, at the end of its life? Now before I buy something, I think about what's going to happen to it once I'm done with it quite often it can be so easy to just like throw things away and forget about it and especially with plastics like those plastics are going to be around longer than we are and I guess there's not really an away is there it's never away it's going to be sitting in landfill someone in a thousand years could go and dig it up and it would still look exactly the same yeah so what would you say have been like your main challenges like when you started your zero waste journey what were the most difficult things to try and transition so I kind of classify things as the sort of the low-hanging fruit which is the easier steps you can take so that's things like taking your own keep cup and um, taking your reusable bag to the supermarket produce bags and sort of things you don't really need to change anything you just have to remember to take them um, then you get into the slightly more difficult things, so maybe going to a bulk store with your own jars and making your own cleaning products, things like that. And then there's the things that are a little bit more difficult. So for me, that was finding plastic-free tofu, um, meat, cheese, because well, I'm vegan, but my partner's not. So And like our vegan butter as well, that's the really tricky one. It's very, very difficult to find that plastic-free. So I did Plastic Free July recently. So those sort of high-hanging fruit, I was still buying them in plastic, but I was like, I'll see if I can, you know, go without getting them in plastic for a month. And it wasn't actually as hard as I thought, so that was good. It kind of forced me to change a little bit um, and take that extra mile. For the tofu, there's a couple of shops that sell in bulk in Auckland, but um, it's like maybe 15 minutes drive out of my way. So I have to be quite organized and sort of plan my day that if I'm going in that direction, I'll take my container. And But I don't really want to drive 15 minutes out of my way because then you're using petrol and it's sort of, Yeah, you know. exactly. It's like trying to weigh up all the multiple evils then. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's amazing you found somewhere. I've not been able to find somewhere yet that does tofu, oh. not in plastic. So that's definitely something I need to still try and find. Um, one option is you could make it yourself, but I tried that a couple of times and let's just say I wasn't that good at it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that one's a work in progress. <laughs> exactly. Another challenge is like, because I work full time, so that means you know these things do take a little bit of extra time I really enjoy doing them so I'm happy to take that bit of extra time to make some bread and make cashew milk and you know go to the bulk store I sort of incorporate that into my routine but with this outbreak because I work in a microbiology lab that we make COVID tests 
So we've just been completely flat out. I'm working six days a week at the moment, so it's extra difficult, like, time-wise to find time to do those things. For people that already work six days a week, you know, they will have less time. People with kids. Mm, Yeah, but I think it's incredibly inspiring for people to hear that someone in your position where you're working six days a week and you're still managing to do such a great job at being as zero waste as possible as you can at the moment, like that's amazing. And it should hopefully give other people motivation that there's a way to find the time. And it's just about kind of knowing where you can shop and these little kind of tips you kind of learn along the way, I guess. I'm quite lucky because there's a bulk store just up the road that we walk to sometimes. And even during level four lockdown which is the highest level where they were still open the whole time excepting containers they just did it in a safe way which was really great and also kind of shows you that it can be done yeah definitely what's really interesting going back to what you were saying before about when you did plastic free july and then saw maybe things that you bought in plastic before that you actually managed without i think sometimes we develop such a kind of sense of habit that we almost feel like oh we can't do without that thing because we always have it um and i guess maybe having that approach of knowing it's just a month you can then you can then take that risk and then realize oh actually maybe i don't need it as much as i think yeah yes right yeah definitely i think before i did that i had reached a plateau i was a bit stuck in my ways so it was nice to have that to sort of kick me up the bum and <laughs> make me take those extra steps. Before we moved in here, I used to, I have this bread bag, which I used to take to a local bakery and they would cut the bread and slice it and put it in my bag. Oh, cat. <laughs> oh, cat attack. <laughs> they would slice the bread and put it in my bag. And then it's one that's freezer proof. So I would put it in my freezer and just get out a couple of slices when needed. But then when I moved into the apartment, the bakery was quite far away and there's not really a bakery close by. So I kind of got out of the habit. So I would just buy bread from the supermarket and plastic. And I felt that making your own bread was really hard and, you know, you had to knead it and it took ages. And I had this sort of mindset for plastic free July. I found recipes for bread that don't take very long. So there's one that it, during lockdown, it sort of became famous in New Zealand. It's called the Lockdown Loaf. It's made with beer. Beer? <laughs> you literally, yeah, a, a bowl of beer. You just throw everything together, stir it, and put it in the oven. No kneading, no waiting. Super easy. Wow. And it's pretty yum. That sounds super cool. Yeah. I'll definitely try that. It's a little bit of a denser bread, so not as sort of fluffy, but, yeah, pretty pretty good if you're in a rush and you want something easy to make then making bread is not as hard as I thought (laughs) (laughs) that's always a nice realization to have though like sometimes you might shy away from doing something because you think it's going to be a lot of work and then to find out it's actually simpler is so nice yeah definitely oh I often have these sort of judgments about things that they're like too hard and they're going to take ages and stuff and then when I actually do them they're often not as hard as I imagine (laughs) (laughs) so I wanted to ask as well um 
how have you found ways to stay motivated like at all have you found over these two years that things have started to slip and then you've had to try and find the motivation to bring them back or most of the the easy and sort of medium level of difficulty things I've just kept up with them that sort of changed my habits and I really enjoyed doing them as well like I enjoy going to the bulk store with my jars and you know I've kind of made friends with the bulk store owners nice. and yeah so those sorts of things I enjoy doing them and I don't find them that hard so I've just kept up with them yeah a couple of things like I said about the bread I sort of slipped back on that but yeah I guess because I'm so passionate about it and I enjoy it a lot. I haven't really gone too far back down the slope. And also every time I watch one of those documentaries, you know, like the David Attenborough ones about climate change, it really upsets me and sort of motivates me to keep going. And Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I'm assuming you're the same based on what you said, but I'm very empathetic as a person. And yes. I find that like, even just seeing the occasional image of things and like yes. it, it hits me so hard. And yeah, I think when I first started seeing a lot more of it, I was angry at myself and at the world for not doing more about it. You know, it's this, yeah. it's this weird yeah. thing of knowing how to balance your desire to want to do more. But then I think the yeah. ostrich effect is such a big thing that it is so overwhelming that sometimes people do just want to stick their heads in the sand and kind of, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think as well for me, like I try to focus on what I can do. It's much more empowering to think about, you know, what changes can I make in my life instead of worrying like those people are, you know, buying coffee in a takeaway cup and, things like that. <laughs> Some people sort of take that and can put pressure on governments and start petitions and things like that. And that's really good. But I guess for me, that's not really my journey at the moment. I'm just doing my own thing. <laughs> it's great what you're doing. And I mean, in a way, your actions are already influencing other people because of your Instagram account and they'll see tips that you share and then they'll take them on board as well. So even your individual actions are having an impact on other people. So yeah, it's great. Thank you. <laughs> I don't really like people who are like, you're a bad person because you do this and you don't recycle and you bought your coffee in a throwaway cup and you're contributing to climate change, etc. <laughs> so I try not to be like that because that sort of attitude turns me off things. Um, so I try to be more of inspiring I suppose yeah no I think that's really important because different people respond to different things like for some yeah. people they need like a very kind of calm atmosphere around them if they're going to open their eyes yeah. to something that's difficult to see whereas there'll be some people yeah. who need like a massive kick up the bum <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's so important that people have different energies and different different avenues yeah. into making a difference rather than feeling like they have to be or do this one particular way like there's so many ways into it and it's so important that I guess that message is shared yes I agree <laughs> I've always cared about the planet and been quite empathetic and loved animals and things like that and when I was 14 um, my parents went to an animal rights rally 
and they brought home all these pamphlets about animal testing and factory farms and stuff and I read them and I was absolutely horrified <laughs> and I went vegetarian like that just when I was 14 my poor mum <laughs> like when I see something that I don't like I I have to do something about it you know what I mean yeah I'm exactly the same I grew up in a very small town and I don't think I even knew what being vegan was until I went off to dance training I'd never met someone who was vegan I'd never really heard about it and it was always that thing like I always loved animals so much and yeah it's just because it's educated into you from such a young age that like when animals are outside you care for them and although you know they're part of nature and you respect them and you don't interfere but when it's on your plate it's food and yeah it was something that it was like you could never question that and yeah yeah, it wasn't until I kind of, you know, left home and was I my eyes were open to so many things. And then like, I, I definitely found as soon as I knew more about it, and it clicked, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. It's like the realization that what your morals are, your actions weren't in a line with your morals. So then instantly, I was like, I need to change them. Otherwise, I, I can't like, cope with myself doing what I'm doing yeah. that makes sense yes definitely but it's one of those things that I heard something that most people have vegan morals like they're vegan at heart and I think that's yeah. so true like I've always been vegan at heart I just wasn't living by my morals <laughs> which is an interesting <laughs> one yeah it's definitely interesting that we're sort of brought up in that way that you know eating meat is normal and you don't sort of ever question it which is sort of odd, really. <laughs> I'm actually quite excited because a vegan deli has just opened up in Auckland. Nice. So they've got big wheels of vegan cheese and you can get little slices and put it in your container. So good. I haven't actually been there yet, but I plan to go soon. And they've got all these sorts of vegan meats as well. So it's sort of like a, like a meat deli, but it's vegan. It's so cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. Mm. We've had so many vegan places open up recently and it, even bulk stores as well. It's really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And I hope that they'll keep being a push in that direction. Um, yes. Definitely. I think there will be. It's more people, you know, understand about what's happening with the climate and the rubbish and plastic and stuff. And But then there, this whole coronavirus thing is a maybe a little bit of a step back for plastic because a lot of people get scared that you know if it's not in plastic it's not hygienic which is not the case <laughs> I think that that is a worrying thing is when it's like the misinformation of doing yeah. something that's worse for the environment because they think that there's a health concern or a health risk with doing the more sustainable option but actually yeah, yeah I think the quicker that those myths can be debunked the better and hopefully yeah. they will be debunked very quickly <laughs> yes a, a lot of people sort of let fear govern their decisions they might know it's not logical but they're you know so scared of the coronavirus they just put that above the other values I suppose but yeah, obviously I mean, everyone's different you shouldn't be too hard on yourself but yeah but I think that's the case with quite a lot of things when you're saying about fear I've spoken to friends before when they have like an interest in 
the fact that I'm vegan or the fact that I'm trying to reduce my waste and things and they're interested but there's always this thing of like they'll say things like oh I'd love to be vegan but I'm not sure I'll get enough protein or but like there'll be these kind of doubts that are in fear and yeah it's it is it's it's often a fear thing of a fear of change and trying something different and yeah you're right and also maybe being different like going against the grain even myself when I first started taking my containers to the bakery or to cafes to get them to put baked goods into my container like the first time I did it I was actually quite nervous (laughs) which now seems ridiculous but I guess because it's different and sort of going against the grain can sometimes be difficult, but no one's ever turned me down or questioned me or anything. It's actually fine. Mm. <laughs> if they judge you, they don't say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine then. You can pretend the judgment is not happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I definitely then, relate to that. Like the, um, I remember when I was first like going to restaurants that, I didn't know whether they had vegan options and just having to like ask it's so weird you almost feel apologetic about it and then yeah I try and like reevaluate it then and think about like I know my values and why I'm doing what I'm doing and how important to me that is um yes so it's trying to focus on that rather than taking it as like a personal thing. Like I'm afraid to do this thing. It's like, I'm doing it for this bigger cause, which is more than just me. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that makes it a bit easier. Yes. I sometimes think as well, the more people that go to that restaurant and ask for a vegan option, then one day they'll think, Oh, we've got all these people asking and we don't have a vegan option. Maybe we should put one on the menu and maybe, um, the more people that do it, you're sort of laying the foundations for later people to come along and have an easier time at it. Yeah. But yeah, even yesterday when I was at work, we had a shared lunch and there's this one pizza company that everybody likes, but they don't do a vegan option. Oh, and I was no. like, I feel bad being like, oh, don't get that one. <laughs> so I brought my own lunch and I was like, oh, don't worry guys. I brought my own lunch and they're like, okay. Then everyone got pizza except for me. I was like, oh. (laughs) That's another thing I find a little bit difficult sometimes is say if you're out with friends and everyone wants to get takeaways or something and everyone wants to get curry and curry always comes in a plastic thing. I'm always like, oh, I don't want to get curry. (laughs) Let's get pizza. (laughs) Because then that comes in a cardboard box which can be recycled or composted. Sometimes I feel anxious if I'm going to be put in a situation like that where I can't, I don't have control over it and I'll have to buy something in plastic. But you just need to have some compassion. You know, sometimes not everything is in your control. And if you have a couple of slip ups every now and then, then that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's important that we're kind to ourselves. Otherwise, you know, if we're being hard on ourselves all the time, we're, we're going to burn ourselves out and then we're not going to be able to continue to do positive things yes I think mindfulness comes into it a lot as well because I've been meditating probably for the same amount of time I've been vegan and that's helped quite a lot with being kind to myself and having that inner voice not being so mean if I do slip up (laughs) if it's okay for me to ask is your partner vegan no he's not how has that been like has that been challenging at all not really, actually, because 
I probably prefer prefer it if he was vegan, but he wasn't vegan when I met him, and so I kind of just respect that. Like, I'm not going to try and change him the way that I want him to be because if he tried to do that to me, I wouldn't appreciate it. He respects that I'm vegan, and we often go to vegan restaurants. He's happy to eat vegan. Um, he doesn't really eat a lot of meat anyway. I think it's really nice what you were saying about um, like respect and having respect for different people's opinions and having that space then that you can talk about it without things being defensive and then you yeah you build that respect and understanding so that's really nice to hear. Yeah if you respect other people's choices and they're far more likely to sort of listen to what you have to say and maybe one day he'll become vegan. (laughs) I don't know he also doesn't drink he used to drink a lot of milk when we met now he's switched to almond milk. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so almost, he's sort of slowly making changes as well. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like he's kind of slowly on a path to at least reducing intake of animal yeah. products. So maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's harder for guys as well because there's that sort of social pressure to be, you know, like most vegans are women. And there's that idea that eating meat is manly. And also, like, he grew up on a farm. I could just imagine what sort of, if he went vegan, what sort of, like, shit he would get from his family (laughs) and friends as well. So there's sort of pressure to, you know, be a certain way. But um, for me, like, he, he respects this whole, the zero waste thing as well. And for me, that's probably the most important thing. So, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, If he was quite wasteful, that would probably bother me more than (laughs) the vegan thing. Yeah, we have quite similar values in that way, like caring about the planet and um, wanting to reduce waste. And, yeah, that's good. I think if I didn't have him sort of supporting me and it would have been a lot harder or if, you know, he sort of resisted all these changes I was trying to make, if he wasn't on board, it would have been really difficult. Yeah. So that's nice. <laughs> mm, definitely. I think having that support is so important for sure. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Mm. I know when I first started it, like a couple of years ago, I didn't really tell anyone that I was doing these things. I just sort of did them and I'd go to the bulk store, but I wouldn't sort of put it on social media or like tell all my friends or anything like that. Uh, I got to a stage about a year ago when I realized I'm actually quite living quite differently from most other people I know (laughs) I sort of had this light bulb moment where I was like maybe I should make a Facebook page for my family and friends so they can see what changes I'm making and maybe it might inspire one person to change and I could also like come out (laughs) as an eco person (laughs) (laughs) the people that I don't talk to about it will know what I'm all about sort of thing Mm. which might sound ridiculous but no, it doesn't, it doesn't sound ridiculous at all. Like, for me, the reason why I started this podcast was if it could help one person learn something yeah. or connect with someone and not feel alone, yeah. not alienated. And, yeah, yes. I think that, for me, was, like, super important. Yeah, I definitely felt that. Oh, my best friend actually suggested that I should make an Instagram page because I wasn't really a big Instagram user and honestly, that's been been so good because Instagram, you can connect with so many different people. And um, yeah, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, this gives me so much joy. <laughs> mm. 
another thing that's a bit challenging is my is my job because it doesn't really align with my values at the moment because I work in a microbiology lab it's quite a plastic focused place so we make the COVID tests and stuff so I think we've made about 300,000 plastic tubes for New Zealand and other countries thus far so I don't even want to think about how much plastic that is <laughs> but it's quite it's like a necessary evil I suppose because without it the test accuracy goes down a lot and you might miss a case and it's extremely important to find all the the positive cases so I think in the sort of medical science field like the use of plastic can be quite helpful there's definitely a use for plastic where it is needed and within like medicine it is so important and I think because of that, we almost have even more responsibility to not be using it where we don't have to. Um, yes, exactly. Because it's yeah. become such like a convenience thing. People get used to that sort of level of convenience and then rather than questioning it, they just kind of fall into the habit of it. But once you yeah. start seeing it, you see that it's like everywhere and you oh, see yeah. how damaging it is. And Yeah. Yeah. Even when you're sort of, you know, at this stage along your sustainability journey, it's hard to avoid it 100%. Because sometimes, you know, you can buy things that are made of glass or ceramics or wood or whatever. But, like, some things you just can't buy them not as a plastic item. Sometimes the item doesn't work if it's not plastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think if you can buy it secondhand, that's, that's good. but really into dancing and I have to wear you know active wear that's stretchy and allows for you know freedom of movement and stuff like that and so pretty much all active wear has polyester in it which is plastic but it sort of needs that to be stretchy or is it elastane one or the other <laughs> but anyway it needs this material in it to be stretchy otherwise the garment wouldn't function in the way it's supposed to so for me, I try to buy secondhand or from a company that uses recycled polyester in their garments. So it's just a bit of a trade-off you have to make, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm also a dancer. I think, yeah, we talked about this briefly before yeah. organising this chat. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, how, because you were saying as someone, you have quite a lot of passions as well in a similar way to... Yeah. I do and how have you found kind of balancing that alongside your work and then also obviously your zero waste journey although that is something that we're passionate about but yeah how do you balance all that with all of your other hobbies um, and <laughs> it's a little bit of a challenge I'll say that because <laughs> I'm a person that never sort of sits still I'm always active and always doing something and I just have to make sure I don't do too much it's definitely something I've done in the past and sort of burned, completely burnt out. So last year I was doing dance three times a week. I was working full time. I was also rehearsing. I was volunteering at an old folks home. I was living zero waste and I was doing so much. And honestly, I just like completely burnt out. <laughs> so I need to try and make sure that I have not say yes to everything and just try not do too much. 
make sure I have a couple of evenings free a week to sort of just relax and make bread or I don't know repair some clothes and things like that and I try to fit all the passions in but it's just a time thing I suppose like another thing that I really enjoy is traveling I've done a lot of traveling I've been to Africa Europe America um, I really love traveling a lot like it's probably helped me to, to become the person I am today like meeting all these people from different cultures and experiencing that but then flying is really bad for you know releasing co2 um so once the pandemic is over i don't know quite how i'll manage that <laughs> especially because new zealand is an island so if we want to go to another country we literally have to fly there i guess in europe it might be a bit easier because you could sort of get the train around everywhere and it is a little bit easier but another thing that's so frustrating is like the price difference it's crazy how cheap flights are compared to like mm. traveling by train. Like I remember I was looking at it when I was still in dance training and one of my friends was in university. It would have been cheaper for me to fly to visit her when it was like a three hour train journey. It would have been cheaper oh, wow. for me to fly to her than it would to get the train, which wow. is just ridiculous. It's insane. So the train is expensive and slow. Mm. <laughs> So the good options just aren't there. So it's a bit tricky. Yeah, sometimes if I do things that aren't, you know, eco-friendly necessarily, I need to try and not feel like a complete failure, <laughs> like an eco-failure sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to be kinder to myself and realise, you know, no one can be perfect. And there's always going to be people that judge you no matter what you do. Like, you know, some people probably think I'm extreme the way that I live, you know, not buying things in plastic. Other people probably think I don't do enough because I still have a car and things like that. But you just have to find what works for you and be kind to yourself. Yeah, I think that's that's why, again, like with making this podcast, it was so important for me to kind of, yeah, get a lot of messages across about finding balance and the fact that balance looks different for everyone. And how you said it then perfectly summarized that like someone could look at what you're doing and think it's extreme and someone else could think that you're not doing enough but mm -hmm. it's if it feels like a balanced way of living for you and I think this is the thing as well with zero waste it's something that a lot of people think is extreme but when you look into the plastic problem that in itself seeing that is extreme and the same yeah. with veganism I found that at first, even before I was vegan and I first heard about it, I was like, but, you know, cutting out so many things, that sounds like quite an extreme thing. But when you see how unethical the practices are behind animal agriculture, that is so extreme to me that mm -hmm. I can't find balance in putting, yeah. yeah, putting my support into a business like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess just because things are normal in our society doesn't mean they're okay. Yes. So we've kind of normalised certain things which shouldn't be normal. <laughs> and Definitely. it takes, you know, people making documentaries sort of showing you what actually happens behind the scenes and then people starting to use that to make changes in their life. Um, 
they may be the weirdos at first, but as more and more people do it, it becomes normalised and then they start to think, ah, oh, maybe I should do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw something yesterday actually, a vegan cream cheese company, that they sell the cream cheese in glass and then you can return the glass for a refill. I was like, that's, that's amazing. So that's what we cool. need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> More businesses doing that. <laughs> I just realised as well that um, we never got through the five R's. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, where are we up to? Reuse. Mm-hmm. So the third R is reuse. So that means things like taking your own jars, your own containers to a bulk store to refill them, not just buying something that's already in a packet, and things like taking your keep cup and your container to a cafe to get them refilled, Um, reusing things around your home that you might otherwise throw away, repairing your clothes and repairing things. To me, that's probably the one that's made the biggest difference with bringing waste in. All of that packaging is, you're not bringing that into your home. The fourth R is recycle. So you'll see recycle is quite far down the list. <laughs> Recycling is not the only answer. So if you can do all the other R's first, you shouldn't really have much recycling necessarily. Especially in New Zealand, a lot of um, things like ice cream and um, things you can buy in the chilled section, the type of plastic it's in can't be recycled. So it's number five or number six. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't realise that. Yeah, off topic. Oh, the, <laughs> the fifth R is rot. So that is composting. So I think composting is really important, actually. Like a lot of our rubbish is organic waste. If you start composting, you can probably reduce your waste, the amount of your rubbish by up to 40 or 50%. Wow. Which is a pretty big a big impact just mm. by doing one thing. We started with a Bokashi system before we moved into our apartment um, when we were flatting. So that's basically two buckets that fit together. You add your food scraps in and you put a sprinkle on top of it. So the sprinkle stops it smelling and also will break it down um, or ferment it instead of rotting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite a good system for people that don't have a lot of space for a, a compost bin or people in an apartment. The top bucket has holes in it and liquid drains out into the bottom bucket, which you can then dilute and use as a fertilizer for your plants. Once you, the, the bucket's full, you just leave it to ferment for, I think, four weeks. And then you can either bury it in your garden, if you have a garden, or if you have a friend's garden. <laughs> And it will turn into compost in another four weeks. So it's really good for your soil. If you don't have enough space to do that, you can just put it into someone's compost bin. Mm. So there's an app called Share Waste. I'm not sure if you guys have it. I'm not sure. You can look into it, though, because that would be really useful for people, especially if they live in an apartment or don't have space to compost. Yeah. There's people on there that have space in their compost that can accept your food scraps or your bakashi bin solids. So a couple of times I've taken my bin to a lovely lady that lives close by my work and she empties my bin and washes it out for me and then I take it back home, which is quite nice. 
that's lovely. So it's sort of connecting you with people that have space for your your compost. Cool. Yeah. That's super helpful. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm aware I've kept you for quite a long time, so I'm just going to ask you um, the final question, um, which is the title of my podcast is A Little Bit of Lager, which is this idea of a little bit and not too much and finding balance. Yeah. So I was just wondering if there's anything specific, um, either during your week I won't say during your day because you've you know very recently woken up due to the time difference <laughs> yes um, but yeah if there's any habits or anything that you've done this week that has helped you find a bit of lagum in your life I can think of a specific example last night actually <laughs> my sixth day of work in a row I just was you know I could have done some knitting or started mending some clothes or something and I said no I'm just gonna relax and not do anything and sort of have the night off so to speak which was actually quite nice (laughs) for me it's trying to realize I don't always have to be productive every second of every day it's okay to take a break and relax I guess meditation for me helps quite a lot with that and mindfulness so you can recognize those sort of negative thought patterns before they go into a downward spiral (laughs) um you can yeah try to maybe soften my perfectionistic tendencies a little bit so i'm not so hard on myself i definitely relate to that so much i definitely have a perfectionist personality that i need to try and keep in check a lot like (laughs) internal dialogue can be quite loud a lot of the time um yeah. yeah I think it's so lovely to hear um yeah that importance of being kind to yourself and just giving yourself yeah. a break sometimes also like things like um getting outside getting some sunshine um yeah doing exercise all that sort of thing definitely helps keep your mental health on the up <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and also with the whole Instagram thing it's easy to see everyone's feed and it's full of all these yeah. beautiful pictures of them being zero waste and they've got all these nice products and um, it all looks so perfect and to just sort of not compare yourself with it. Um, I've been sort of struggling with that in the past month or so and I've just, you know, realised that's probably not, that's not the entire story. Just like everything I put on my feed is not the entire story. <laughs> But then just to show people that I do slip up occasionally, I try to put things on my Instagram story where I've failed. (laughs) My eco fails. So people can, I don't know, maybe it'll make them feel better, hopefully. (laughs) No, but I think that's that's so important because I think sometimes people can, again, it's a fear thing if they're afraid of trying to start reducing their waste or try and go zero waste or try and go vegan or any of these things because they're so afraid of slipping up and then that meaning that they've failed and but that's part yeah. of the process and everyone yeah. everyone does it and it's not mm-hmm. always these pretty beautiful photos that you see on Instagram and no. it's nice to have the kind of contrast of that the things that maybe yeah. don't don't look the most beautiful but sometimes they're the most important things that we're doing like yeah. 
I imagine taking a picture of a compost bin isn't going to be as aesthetically pleasing <laughs> as like a nice, <laughs> nice fancy <laughs> vegan dinner or something. But it's so important yeah. in in trying to reduce your yeah. waste and do better for the planet. So there's some things like um, yeah, that like you said, they don't necessarily look pretty, like um, I don't know, handkerchiefs. <laughs> like no one probably wants to see a picture of these old rags that I use as handkerchiefs but like I don't buy tissues anymore because I use those and like I had an old shirt from many many years ago a nice soft cotton shirt that I cut up and they're not sort of beautiful handkerchiefs that you, you can buy from a shop but for me they work perfectly well and they've actually been really good yeah yeah you're putting your waste into it anyway so who cares <laughs> <laughs> it's so true so true oh my thank you so so much for talking with me it's been so lovely to chat with you thank you for having me it's a shame we live on the other side of the world otherwise we could like grab a coffee or something <laughs> i know that would be wonderful it's awesome to connect with like-minded people exactly We'll definitely keep in touch if you're happy to. That would be fab. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much again to Alicia. It was so wonderful chatting with you. I really enjoyed it and it was a very fulfilling conversation and actually quite therapeutic at times as well. So thank you for that. I hope that you listening really enjoyed the episode and that you found the information useful. If you have any questions, any thoughts, or you'd just like to have a chat, you can drop me a message on Instagram at a little bit of Largum, or you can drop me an email on a little bit of Largum at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I hope that you're well wherever you are and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye!